0: Well, welcome to another Fair Game podcast. Hello, Mike. Hi, Lee. How are are you? you? Good. All right. Today we have another special guest.
1: Super special. We're thrilled to welcome someone who actually I have known for, hmm, let me think, about (laughs) more than 40 years, maybe close to 50 Have you
0: known each other that long? Yes. It's
1: crazy.
0: Okay, well, introduce introduce our guest first.
1: Yes, okay. Uh, the, The wonderful Kate Bornstein, a legend and icon in the LBGTQ community, and someone, like I said, who I have known for many decades, too many decades, Hi, Kate. Kate, I think he
0: left a letter out, didn't he? Kate, you need to. Hi, you Mike. both. How you doing? <laughs>
2: oh, there's there's letters added every day. I, you can leave them out. You can add them in. You never wrong
0: okay. when you say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, how do you guys welcome? Welcome to the show, Kate. Um, Thank and you. so, tell. So, how do you guys know each other? From
2: the ship, I think we first met on the ship when you were That's right. okay,
0: Kate.
1: On the Apollo, with L Ron I, Hubbard.
2: Was, I was first mate. I, I did you get seasick at all when you were there, Mike? <laughs> um, I, a
1: couple of times, yes. Like I would have had you
2: scrubbing the decks. Well, well, I
1: was a deckhand at at the outset. My my earliest time on the Apollo in <gasps> 1973, I was a deckhand, and I was the person who did literally scrub the decks,
2: and you know. Well, why don't you guys hold. explain
0: explain what the Apollo was? The Apollo was the the
2: flagship the the sea organization was literally on the sea SEA like in ocean yes and we had a couple of ships we had a boat we the flagship was where L. Ron Hubbard was living literally right. living he, he right. had a big suite of cabins aboard the ship and we were sailing at that time. We were in North Africa and Portugal and mm-hmm. and, and the Azores, and we, we did that little triangle of sails.
0: And you joined the Sea Org in 1969. Me, 70. Okay. And at the time, you joined as Al Bornstein. I was Al, yep.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, don't you remember they called me Al? It was Al all the time. <laughs>
1: Wait, this was he was th- th- this was not only Al, this was yeah. Lieutenant Al Bornstein. Right. Like can I a, say big, a big shot. Yeah, sure. you can say whatever oh, good. the fuck Fuckin you want. Right,
2: I was Lieutenant Al Bornstein.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and I like I didn't have a great deal of interaction at that time. In fact, I had more interaction with Molly, your wife at the time, than I did with you, because I I ended up being in the management side of of Scientology organizational hierarchy, and Molly ended up being a, a senior executive in that realm, and so I knew her fairly well. Nah, not so, not so much her husband at the time. But I, you know, of course I knew him like you're on a ship that's uh, a few hundred feet long with a, you know, 150 or 200 other people, you know, everybody that's there and you interact with everybody. But it, I just, it wasn't that close, uh, uh, relationship that we had.
0: No. Well, that's, that's true for really anybody in this york, even if you're married, but, <laughs> but, but that's, but, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> But but, the, but but just to give some pe- people some context, so you guys were in the Sea Org, uh, you signed million year contracts, you dedicated billion, your billion. lives billion sorry, billion- year contracts, you gave up your lives to join the mission of Scientology and the Sea Organization, which was to clear the planet and uh, save the planet, save mankind. And so that's what you both thought you were doing when you joined the the Sea Org. The actual
2: stated mission was to get ethics in, in this sector of the galaxy.
0: And what does that, what does that exactly mean in layman's terms for our <laughs> listeners?
2: Nothing. Uh, I mean, if
0: you were to explain <laughs> it, honestly. No, if you, if you were to try to just explain it in layman's terms. Because people still ask us, like, what is Scientology doing? What is the Sea Org doing? Or what do they think they're doing?
2: Scientology. May I, Mike? Yes. Okay. Please, I mean, Satisfying. we should do less talking and more listening. Me. They hear
1: from me way too much, Kate. You, you <laughs> talk, I'll sit and, and just suck it in.
2: Tweak what I say. Um, to my understanding, Scientology misuses the word ethics. Ethics, to me, and my understanding of ethics, is that they are broad paint strokes of decent behavior. Right. Fair play, that sort of thing. Right. Um, Scientology ethics is more a system of morals. Uh, morality is a step down from ethics in terms of trusting the person who's using it. And it, morality is what's right and what's wrong. Right This is right, this is wrong. That's not ethics. That's morals. Right. And so Scientology ethics was making sure that everybody did what's right. According to what Von Hubbard said, what's right, and right. people who were doing anything that's wrong would be punished, and that was our job in the Sea Org to get that in, starting with this planet.
0: Right. So you guys thought you were policing the planet, basically, right? I mean, yeah. That, yeah. So. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sa- saving mankind from the evil For, from themselves. Of, yes. Of those
0: who are not ethical. Yeah. R- right. And so at the time, you so you joined the Sea Org, uh, and you had a baby in the uh, Sea Org? I,
2: I didn't personally have no, the baby. No, no, you
0: didn't have the baby, but your uh, your wife at the time, because uh, children were allowed at that time in the Sea Organization? They were
2: allowed in the Sea Organization, but they weren't allowed on flag. Um, after what is that? we found out that Molly was what, pregnant, what is flat?
0: Like, but meaning at flag, they weren't allowed on the premise. Like they weren't allowed to have babies at ship. flag. It was a ship.
2: Oh, okay. And so, so like brand new babies weren't allowed on the ship. Okay. Um, young children were, okay. and they usually ended up as Commodore's
0: messengers. Mm-hmm. Um, working for Elron Ron Hubbard in his personal military. organization. Okay. Yep.
2: Yet, waiting mm-hmm. on him, hand in foot. But as soon as uh, we found out that Molly was pregnant, we were fired out on a mission to set up what was called the Flag Operations Liaison Office in the US, which okay. became West US. We went to LA, and it had been what was called the Continental Liaison Office, but that got changed into a Flag Operations Liaison Office. And Molly and I spent a month there setting that up, and then we flew to New York and put a whole new Sea Org unit in, in New York, upstairs from the New York
0: Org. Okay. And then in, uh, so I just want to just bring people up to date so we don't get, people are not confused. In 1986, you identified as gender nonconforming, right? And and um, you don't call yourself a woman, you don't call yourself a man, but you had sex reassignment surgery, right?
2: yeah um, okay. I thought I was a woman for the right. longest time because you know right. what else are you gonna be I'm not a man I knew that and the only other choice was woman right so I, I, I did what medical profession said at those days uh, followed the cattle shoot through sex change surgeries that's what they called it back then sure and um, I became a woman and it didn't take me long to realize that it was as much work trying to be a woman as it had been for me trying to be a man. And so finally, uh, I said, fuck it. I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. Right. Today, that's what's known as non-binary. Okay. Or it can be called gender non-conforming. You're, okay. you're correct.
0: Okay. When you were in Scientology, did this ever come up for you? Did your, the... <laughs> Sorry. It's Okay. So why are you laughing?
2: It was my wants handled. Mm. That's what I wanted handled more than anything. I wanted to stop wanting to be a woman. Because? Because that was such a freaky thing. (laughs) Because that was a perversion. I grew up believing that. There was no... There was no role model. There was no... Organization, there was no book, there was no there was nothing that said it's okay to be trans.
0: Sure. And and, and wasn't to, even around. And and also we should I I, I want to go over a few things here. Um it's not just that there wasn't anything in Scientology. As a matter of fact, Scientology is um, homophobic uh amongst amongst many other things that they are but in the in in dianetics as well you know because these are mandatory uh reading assignments uh for all scientologists parishioners and Org members so we all learn the same thing but in in dianetics the modern science of mental health as L. Ron hubbard wrote he uh, uh, the sexual pervert this is in Dianetics. That was me. Um, Mike, is this from the actual book? Yeah. Oh, okay. So,
1: all right. So should I just read this? Well, sure. He, d- he just says the sexual pervert yeah. includes any and all forms of deviation in dynamic mm-hmm. two, which is mm-hmm. the dynamic of family and sex, such okay. as homosexuality, lesbianism, sexual sadism, etc., Mm-hmm. And that person is actually quite ill physically. Perversion as an illness has so many manifestations that it must be spread through the entire gla- gamut of glasses. Well, this, I was this... all three of
0: those and then some. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. You know, we could laugh about it now. Um, however, the, the 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 mental damage that this does to somebody growing up into Scientology and reading this and believing this is uh, abusive, to say the least. Um, I would
2: say it's more of a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. When I read that, it was, ah, someone knows how fucked up I really am. Right, right. Good. Maybe this is where I will be able to be helped. Right. And where the fucked up real fucked upness comes is it solidifies the understanding that you're evil because the way you love the way you like the way, to you, you,
0: the way you were yeah. born yeah yeah um, further in the second book that you're forced to read is called science of survival hmm. and uh, just just to explain very quickly um, Scientology has a a scale of which they measure people, if they're worth talking to or not talking to, and uh, below a certain uh, point. And they, they just have random numbers, right? So uh, if you're below 2.0 on this tone scale, you're basically dead as a person. Dying. You're just, what?
1: You're dying.
0: You're dying, right. You're, so, you're
1: surviving if you're above 2.0, you're dying if you're below 2.0, and you go or go all the way down to death and below, in fact.
0: Right. You could be alive, but... Uh, no, you could be dead, but physically, like, you could be even lower on the scale as a spiritual Correct. being, per L. Ron Hubbard. Exactly. One of the worst... And we all learned this pretty early on. I mean, you got children running around, you know, touting this nonsense, right? Because, you know... The Scientology parents teach this to their kids, and then as soon as they could read, they're forced to re- read this stuff. But the worst, worst tone to be on the scale is labeled as 1.1, and that's covert. That's like Co- the person. Covert and hostility. They have a, what? Covert hostility. And they have a picture of like a smiling face while they have like they're stabbing you in the back. Okay. So the worst kind of person. The worst is a 1-1, one, one, okay? And this is where L. Ron Hubbard classifies homosexuality, 1-1 one, one on this tone scale. And I just want to, can I read this, Mike, this part? Sure. Okay. There are only two answers for the handling of people from 2.0 down on the scale, neither one which has anything to do with reasoning with them or listening to their justification of their acts. The first is to raise them on the tone scale Blah, blah, blah. The other is dispose, Okay, yeah. The other is to dispose of them quietly and without sorrow. Adders are safe bedmates compared to people on the lower bands on the tone scale. Not all the beauty, nor the handsomeness, nor artificial social value, nor property can atone for the vicious damage Some, such people do to sane men and women, the sudden and abrupt deletion of all individuals occupying the lower bands of the tone scale from the social order would result in an almost instant rise in the cultural tone and would interrupt the dwindling spiral into which any society may have entered. A Venezuelan dictator once decided to stop leprosy, he saw that most lepers in his country were also beggars. By the simple expedient of collecting and destroying all of the beggars in Venezuela, an end was put to leprosy in that country. Did you fucking imagine? So, this is, the cons- this is what you, you're raised with in Scientology. When, so, you, you, the shame that you feel is so astronomical. And he the the where he pl- where he plots this on the tone scale, um, is is just evil. I don't have another word for it. Uh, is there anything else, Mike? You want to add to this? Well, I d- I just want to add that. Oh, this is the. Fr- <laughs> I, I love this part about the auditing out
1: homosexuality.
0: So, go ahead, Mike. Uh, I
1: wouldn't sorry. read this one. I- go ahead. Then. Here's what I recommend, Leah. These I took these quotes from a mm. post I did on my blog called yep. Scientology is Scientology Homophobic or Scientology and Homophobia. And all of these quotes are in there and I will add a link to that uh, on the fairgamepodcast.com website and on my blog when we air Kate's episode so that people can go and read these things for themselves because this is not there is a lot more to this and a lot more that Hubbard says. And despite the fact that Scientology today tries to pretend that they are not homophobic, this is the reality of Scientology. You can't Mm. change the words of L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard says that homosexuality, lesbianism, whatever, uh, any perversion is all bad stuff that is evil in its in its fundamental foundation and that it must be gotten rid of and that these people must be gotten rid of and the only hope they have is to get Scientology auditing and right. frankly Scientology th- this is no different than the pray the gay away idea that right. some wild Christian churches have we can cure people Of their homosexuality, we can cure people of being gay. It's complete and utter ancient old bullshit that was founded in the 50s when Hubbard thought he was uh, you know, the king of knowing all about man and his 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 self Uh and kind of followed a lot of the thinking of that time. And the difficulty is while the profession of understanding the mind, psychiatry, psychology, sociology, whatever, continues to advance in their understanding, Scientology is stuck. Right. It's stuck with the words of L. Ron Hubbard. So if L. Ron Hubbard says gay is bad and mm-hmm. gay is evil, it's never going to change. Right. That's the law. That's Right, the because there's Scientology, Scientology
0: policy that says Scientology policy doesn't change right and the hubbard's Hubbard's books
1: can't change he's dead and gone and he never came back so with scientology is stuck with that and though nowadays people are more enlightened about the reality of people's choices in their sex life or love or uh, or gender Scientology is trying desperately to pretend that they too are enlightened and have caught up, but they right. don't. Right, they just pretend. And well, they- we don't.
0: Yes, exactly. Kate, I want to know what what were ty- what were the types of auditing or or what was Scientology. Doing with you to try to audit, you know, the gay out of you? What were the things that you <laughs> were forced to endure?
2: Well, when I was living as a man, mm-hmm. I was heterosexual. I mm-hmm. loved women madly. Yeah. Just, yay, I still yeah. do. Yeah. Um, back when Hubbard was growing up, the word transsexual didn't exist. It didn't really come into play into the the language until the 60s. Right. Um, So you don't see that in the literature. But as Mike said earlier, um, anything on the second dynamic, love, sex, family. Mm -hmm. And sex is a word that can be mostly used two ways meaning the act,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, or meaning gender.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And they didn't really distinguish that. When I first came into Scientology, day one, I was was on a journey looking to see how I could save the world, because I was a hippie boy and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and I was running away from my own issues and the, the one of the first questions I asked in the mission in Denver it was, mm-hmm. they can call them franchises it was a mission mm-hmm. um, was they, they told me you are not your body you're not your mind right you are a spiritual being of pure thought we call it a Thetan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huh. Are there male thetans and female thetans? Ha ha ha, they said no no no. Right. Male and female is for meat bodies. Thetans aren't right. male or female, and I went, ah right. this is what I've been looking for all my fucking life. Right, right. right. And then I found out they don't pay attention to that. Right. Um if you're gay You're basically saying that you are your body, and because you're in a male body, you must be attracted to females. If you're in what is called a male body, that is, grown with a penis, let's say, you grew up with a penis and you had XY chromosomes, let's say, uh, you're supposed to live as a boy and as a man. Right. That's all body stuff. It's a paradox that they don't address. Right. And when you call them out on it, they, they'll run away from the question. Right. When I was trying to address this in auditing, I didn't have, there was, again, there wasn't a word. I got in 1970. Right. Transsexuality was known by that mm-hmm. time as a word, but it wasn't in Scientology. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, I think I'm transsexual. It's, I, I want to be a woman. Right. I addressed this in pretty much every rundown I got in the right. grades, in power. Uh, finally, about well, maybe a couple of months before I left, I got one of the L's. I bought myself an L. I bought L12.
0: Okay, and that just as these are Scientology processes, just so mm-hmm. everybody knows that, that Kate's referring to. So you yep. bought yourself an L, and how much was one of those? Uh,
2: back then,
0: ten thousand dollars. Oh, I'd nothing. Okay. i Inher- would gotten an inheritance. Uh, you got a deal back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. It's forty. It's forty. And now. what was what was Scientology promising? It's forty thousand, right? An L, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Is it?
2: Yeah. Sure.
0: And what are the what are the L's? Uh, what was the L promising you? What was it? What was the uh, promise made?
2: I had been a flag service consultant, a salesman, for about a year and a half, two years at that point. And the way I was selling the L's was the way David Mayo had briefed us on them. David Mayo was the most highly trained technical expert on the planet in those days. Um, And he briefed us. He said, L10 is all about doing L11 is all about having, and L12 is all about being. And the end phenomenon, according to David Mayo, was you could be whatever you wanted to be whenever you wanted to be it. And I thought, oh boy, could I use that! And I gotta say, it worked. Because <laughs> from that day forward, I moved forward with being and expressing myself the way I've always wanted to. Right. I think the reason that it, quote unquote, worked for me is that that's what I wanted more than anything else in my life. I was like 30 years old and, and I hadn't I was beating my head against the wall. Uh, knowing I wasn't a man and so figuring I must be a woman but I couldn't be and it was perverted, it was evil all I wanted to do was be that and when you name your desire to the degree that I was the degree of fineness that I was naming my desire and you say well All I have to do is this and I'll have it L12. I'll spend every penny I had on it. Well, I think I just gave myself permission to do it. I don't really think it had much to do with the L. I joke and say that it worked, but I think it was about giving myself permission. Oh, now I've had L12. Uh, I can be anything I want. It's like the drug rundown, free from the harmful effects of drugs and alcohol, and free from the need to take them. Oh, I'm free from the harmful effect. I can drink as much as I want, and it won't affect me. Woohoo! You know, you, right? You talk, you, yeah, you yep. talk yourself yep. into the end phenomenon. Exactly.
0: Kate, so how long were you in Scientology, and what ultimately made you leave? I I don't know if that was answered already.
2: No. Yeah. No. Um, okay. I I got into Scientology in 1970, and I left in 1982. So 12 years. Um,
0: and what and what was the thing? I mean, I know it's not just one thing for it's for it's a lot of little things, and sometimes a lot of big things, and then something small happens, and it's like, okay, that's that's it. But what was it for you? <sighs>
2: was a combination of a couple of things i i was a flag servant cons- service consultant a salesman for yeah. flag i was selling the highest level of mm-hmm. processing of all scientology yeah and i was in europe uh, at the time on tour yeah and any sales in europe at that point went into what was it the religious research foundation what was it mike
1: yeah, one of those one of Something those Scientology like things.
2: It was it was a shell company that they could pay into that you wouldn't have to pay taxes on, mm-hmm. and of course Hubbard wasn't at all connected to that because he would then you know be able to be taxed. They would be able to mm-hmm. find this out. So we just Religious Research Foundation make out the check to that, and I was depositing money. One day in in Zurich, uh, and into the Religious Research Foundation, and this clerk comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, says, Excuse me, sir, Uh, the president of the bank would like to speak with you. And I'm, Uh oh, because this is the Swiss banking conspiracy. I know there's something bad here. And I said, Oh, fine let this guy escort me to this huge, beautiful office. And behind the the desk across the room from me was this little old guy. I mean, look, imagine like Ebenezer Scrooge. That's what was sitting behind the desk. Right, right. And to my surprise, he smiled this big smile. Swiss bankers don't smile. He smiled this big smile, got up, Came around in front of his desk, walked over to me, extended his hand, said, "Mister L. Ron Hubbard, we are delighted that you are finally visiting our <laughs> bank. We appreciate your business all these years." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Oh my God! Some yep. suppressive person has set up Ron." And I said, oh, "Excuse me, I'm not this Mister Hub Hub Hubba hub, uh, uh, <laughs> that you're referring to." And he went pale. He had obviously violated some Swiss banking law. And we, oh, what a, what a funny mistake. And I left and got myself to a payphone and reported what was happening. And I got sent to St. Hill for debrief. I was there for three days debriefing. They flew me
0: back to Flag, to, to Florida. These are all Scientology locations of... Mm. Right. Okay, Scientology buildings, yeah.
2: I got off the plane in Florida, and these seven young men in Sea Org uniform were meeting me, and I thought to myself, ha-ha, I'm a hero, they're welcoming me back. I saved out Ron Hubbard from this plot and they, they were all stern, and they were all like lieutenant commanders and commanders. And I'm going, I knew every flag officer, and there, there were only 50 people in Scientology who outranked me in those days. Mm-hmm. And they told me they were part of the financial police. Never heard of that group. And they were going to escort me back to flag. Make the story short, I ended up in what's called a gangbang security check. Um, sitting across the table from someone who was operating the e-meter, two big guys behind me on either side of me, two big guys on either side of him, and a big guy standing at the door. And the first question out of their mouth was, what what government are you working for?
0: How now, we're much- talking about a Scientology interrogation mm-hmm. on, on the Scientology lie detector, mm-hmm. m- their meter. And... So now they're accusing you of being... uh... A foreign agent. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And
2: after hours and hours and hours, and they Mm -hmm. weren't getting any reads at -hmm. all, and they finally said, all right, we're going to give you a choice. You're going to be on this newly formed thing we have called the Rehabilitation Project Force. And they described it to me... Um, I'm sure you've described it to you, to your listeners before sleeping on a, on, on a hard floor, eating only what's left over after everybody else has eaten off their plates after they've left. Uh, only can talk with other members of the rehabilitation project force, lots of it was
0: terrible. And so you went to the Scientology punishment camp? No, no, no. That's or this said. is what they, this is what they were. Send uh, offering. offering to you. Yep.
2: yep. Or you will be excommunicated for the rest of your lifetimes. And this guy that said does. with a straight face to me, he's gonna live into the future as a hero, and I'm gonna end up as a body thetan on the toe of some bum. And I went, holy <laughs> shit. Good god. Holy shit. And I realized, you know what? I bet ya. I bet you it was his money. It, mm-hmm. That's the only reason that this would be going on. Right. And I said, okay, you excommunicate me. Right. And they did.
0: And that was it? Yeah. And then your daughter remained in Scientology in the sea yeah, Org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was nine years old at that point. Okay. And was she in the sea Org or just in Scientology as a parishioner?
2: She was the daughter of Molly Baxter, was born Stein. Mm-hmm. Um, And there wasn't at that time young people joining the Org. Okay. Yeah. She was a Scientologist by default
0: because her parents were. Got you. Um, and did Scientology then go after you or they just left <laughs> you alone?
2: They, they left me alone, and mm-hmm. and that
0: that puzzled me.
2: Right. Until I, you know, realized, I, I I ended up, like, years later, years and decades later, finally writing about this shit. I wrote a right. book, uh, a memoir, in which I talked about all of this stuff, and they didn't come after me for that either. Right. And all I can figure is that their reasoning is that this Bornstein is such a freak, no one's going to believe her anyway. What a pervert. I mean, I, my book is really nice and pornographic. You know, it gets down to it, it's blowjobs on every other page. Um, <laughs> but-,
0: but are you talking about the book you wrote uh, on Scientology? Yeah. Okay, and the name of that book is A Queer and. Pleasant, pleasant Danger, danger. The mm-hmm. the true story of a nice Jewish boy who joins the church of Scientology and leaves 12 years later to become the lovely lady she is today <laughs> which is amazing. And title. you have and by the way you you've written a you've written a few books and uh we should mention your website is katebornstein.com yep. and this will be all on the website right Mike? Yes ma'am. Okay, well, great.
1: All and links to all the books all oh, the books. Okay.
0: She has like six of them I think. Yeah.
1: Right? Yes.
0: Okay, so you wrote your they, book. They
2: didn't come after me. Um, okay. And this was the days before the internet. It was eight, 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't phone trees. The people who had left weren't in touch with each other. Right. We were just out there on our own quivering.
0: Right, right. And then what happened? South Park. Okay. South Park came out with their
2: Trapped in the Closet episode uh, in which they revealed the big secret of OT3.
0: (laughs) And this is like the big confidential levels of Scientology, everybody, that Scientology makes you sign contracts for. If you tell the secrets of these upper confidential levels, you have to pay $100,000 or something for each time you talk about these confidential levels and they have brainwashed us all into believing that if we gave up the information of what is contained in these upper levels, uh, that you would give somebody cancer, and they, they would die if, you, if they weren't prepared for the, the secrets that were going to be revealed to them in Scientology. Sorry, go ahead, Kate. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so South Park did their South Park thing about this, mm-hmm. and we were, oh, yeah, they're going to be shut down now, and they weren't. Right. And they got away with it. right? And that was, to me and to a whole lot of other people, mm-hmm. a big message of, oh, oh, maybe I can start talking about this stuff.
0: Oh, right. maybe I won't get... Fair killed. game? <laughs> right, fair yeah. Fair game, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they did fair game the creators and uh, of South Park yeah, Scientology majorly. Yeah, they did. Majorly. They did. Um, but it so just no, didn't work. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean,
1: I, I mean, Trey Parker and, and, uh, yeah, Nat Matt Stone basically said, go ahead. The more you do to us, the more we'll put it on our show. Right. And they did subsequently put more stuff on South Park about Scientology and Scientology is scared shitless of South Park. Believe right. me. Right. They don't want to do anything to those guys because they know they're going to end up in another episode, and it's <laughs> going. And so, they were. You are right, Kate. And it's very interesting because I've never thought about this before. That those guys were sort of the the model that now many people have followed of saying, you know what, we are just going to say what the truth is. And if you want to come after us, we're going to tell more truth. We're just going to talk about what you're doing now. We're going to talk about how you respond. And, you know, we did that on the aftermath basically every week. Mm-hmm. We showed the idiotic letters. We showed the responses. We showed the PIs. We showed all of this stuff. And I, I'm... i I'm sort of happy that you brought that up because I think that those guys don't get enough credit for having just sort of stood and said, come and get us, go ahead, make my day. I'm going (laughs) to fuck with you even worse.
2: Agreed. Yeah. And they did. And, um, that, that, that filled me with some courage. It's the first time anybody had stood up to them and
0: mostly got away with it. Right, right. And what was what did it give you courage to do?
2: I wanted to get back in touch with my daughter, right. Jessica. Uh, I wanted her to let her know what happened. I mean I didn't right. want to pull any punches. I didn't want to sugarcoat anything. I've I've led a, a a it in in I've led a CD life by most people's standards. Uh, But I wanted her to know. I wanted her to know what what I did, how I grew up, what I did in Scientology, how I left and what happened and why I went through a sex change, why I was living as a woman and why I'm saying I'm not a woman either. I wanted her to know this. Um, But the biggest thing I... I had been diagnosed with uh, leukemia in 1997 and it's the kind that you can pass on right. and i wanted to get word to her to, hey honey 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 get yourself checked and there was no way to get any word you know where she was right. so i wanted to let her know that um and i was too scared to say anything but finally after again after south park uh what year was that do you remember mike
1: no, but I'll look it up, and I'll, I'll, I'll include a link to that, too, on the, on the website.
2: Cool. Um, it, it hit me. You know what? I, I, I could write a memoir about this, and Beacon Press, bless their hearts, took me on, and we had so many lawyers reading what I wrote, mm-hmm. and I was very careful not to be mean to people. That was just as simple as that. I didn't want to be mean. And do I tell lies in the book? Yeah. And then I say, that was a lie.
0: And so. I don't understand. I'm sorry. I just want to clarify. What does that mean? You tell lies in the book. Well,
2: you know, when you're talking about yourself, you exaggerate or something. I did that in the book. And then I said, I just exaggerated. That isn't really the truth. Okay. Um, <laughs> so,
0: by admitting that I'm, I, I have a tendency to
2: lie. Uh, I, wouldn't
0: I, say, I wouldn't say that. Li- I wouldn't say lie. I mean, I, I don't know if we're using this word correctly. Are we? Are we classifying well, no, not this? Strictly. Okay.
1: Not strictly because if you admit that you lie, you're not really a liar. If you okay. say something for to create an effect, and then you say, "Look, that," you know. I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest ten pin bowler in the history of the universe. And then you say, Well, you know, that's not really true. Yeah. That's not that's hardly a lie. That's a form of expressing yourself to create an effect. And right. that's different than lying, where you're you're actually saying something that you're trying to get people to believe about you that is not true, and never saying that's not true, but just saying. I want you to believe this about me, and it's it isn't true. So, yeah, I think I it, because Scientology is going to turn around and say, "See, Kate Bornstein exactly uh, talked to Leah Remini and Mike Rinda, and she admits that she lies about everything, and lies about herself, and lies yes. about her experiences, and she's just a liar." And I don't want to give them the opportunity even, even to be though able we're being, do that.
0: Even though we're being tug in cheek, it will be taken out of context and used against you. So I right. just assume we pick up from where we left off about your daughter. Fair enough. Fair okay, enough. Okay. So you, because I don't want to discredit the beautiful person that you are with, with, with the fucking bullshit that they pull. So let's not even give them that.
2: Before I sat down to write the book, I got myself a tattoo on the back of my hand uh, and it's a quote from Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and it says I must not tell lies. Right. And uh, I wrote my book with Mm -hmm. that as my motto. Right. And I didn't. And I think why they have stayed away from me all this time why they haven't come after me Mm -hmm. is again because by their Judeo-Christian 1930s morality that L. Ron Hubbard pumped into Scientology by that, mm-hmm. I am such a freaking pervert that no one would want to read me, no one right. would believe me. Um I, They left me alone, completely right. alone, Knock fucking wood.
1: <laughs> right, right. I, I, I have a slightly different take on that Kate. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that they left you alone because they are deathly afraid of being painted as homophobic. They do not in under any circumstances like that Monica, they feel like they are fighting that image constantly and to take you on uh, as quite an icon in this world and friends with Caitlyn Jenna and, like, you have a lot of... You have a, a strong voice that is a voice in a community that Scientology is terrified of. Scientology huh. is terrified of the gay community. Believe me, they are. And they should be because they're just like the Westboro baptist church they're no different they mm-hmm. they are anti anti gay anti totally and
0: they do westboro want a fight. westboro but they have at least the the, the, the they're, they're they're vile enough to at least admit that they're vile correct and and prejudiced and bigoted where scientology pretends that they're not and that they okay, don't yeah. teach This is what that. I don't get. Yeah. And, and yeah. maybe
2: either of you could help me on this. We're supposed to be thetans. We are not Spirits. Meat bodies. Spirits. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is gay? What is heterosexual?
1: Kate, Kate, look, don't try and make sense out of Scientology. <laughs> exactly. By now you should know exactly. that you cannot reconcile concepts and ideas that are presented as fact in Scientology
0: because they contradict one another. But also, but also the truth of the matter is you can believe what you want to believe, right? That, that's really not even the issue is for me, Scientology just pretends that they don't believe these things. And it's not a faith based religion. It's a business for profit. They are, they are, uh, criminal i listen i don't even want to get into i want to stay on kate's story so kate you go to try to see your daughter
2: where did we get
0: that from wait (laughs) Uh, didn't you try to see your daughter i thought that comes much much later okay um i uh no because you were you were before we started talking uh in this, this area here about we were, you were talking about, you were trying to get in touch with your daughter.
2: Yeah. Trying to get yes. in touch with her. I, I wrote letters. She had been writing letters to my mom and sending her photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom would send her money. I'm pretty sure that's why she was doing it. Okay. And um, I had an address in Florida for her and I wrote and letters just kept coming back to me. Returned to sender. Right. Um, then after my mom died, uh, I, I had no way of knowing how to get in touch with Jessica. So I kind of gave up.
0: Right.
2: And I figured, okay, I, I, I write books. People will buy my fucking books. Great. I have to write a book about this to get in touch with my daughter. And that's what the whole book is. It's a love letter to my daughter. And I understand I have grandchildren as well, and it's a love letter to them right uh and I'm sure she hasn't read it. I'm sure of that right uh but then when was it was it when when was uh i am kate i am I no, no, was it was kate like two
1: thousand and sixteen
2: Gen- yeah, yeah. Was, oh, it was right before... Yeah, it was the during the uh, campaign of Hillary versus Trump. <laughs> That's right. In 2015... The book came out in 2012, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 2015, Caitlyn Jenner uh, had season one of a show called I Am Kate Mm-hmm. I was on season two, which is 2016, and I got on a bus with like six trans women and me. And one of the trans women was Caitlyn Jenner. And I told them my story about Jessica and how I wanted to get in touch with her. And Caitlyn, bless her heart, she's a champion mm-hmm. through and through she mm. champions people. Mm. And she heard this and, well, Kate, okay, well, what we've got to do then is we, we've got to go in there and see her. What, mm-hmm. uh, I'm Kate LeGeneres. Well, they're not going <laughs> to throw me out. And so she offered to take me to wherever Jessica was. And that's Mike, that's when I called you, got in touch right. with you, and I said... Do you know where she is? I've got a chance. You know, Caitlyn Jenner wants to take me bet, bet, bet. And you told me, um, you did some digging and you found out that she was posted in the LA org at that point on a garrison mission. That's right. Yeah. And so Caitlyn Jenner, I got, I climbed into Caitlyn Jenner's huge Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> and we drove into the empty parking lot of the L.A. ward. what could be more obvious and um, walked in together and asked for Jessica. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know who Caitlin was. But they had no right, idea. And it, sure. And they certainly didn't know who I was. So they said, okay, just if you wait here, we'll see. Sure. We'll get her. They got our names, you know, Caitlyn Jenner and Kate Bornstein. And we waited and 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 waited. And finally, someone came down. Would you like some tea? Would you like a little water? I'm afraid Jessica is not available to see anyone just now.
0: And we were... That was it. And so you never heard from her? No. And no. Did you, was that your last attempt to see her? Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so she really... I mean, and people should understand that, you know, once you leave Scientology, uh, you don't necessarily even have to do anything uh, grand um, to be on Scientology's enemy list. Uh, but it is once again, devastating to the families that are torn apart, um, simply because Jessica, like you, like me, like Mike, were taught to believe that you are um, dangerous to be connected to, dangerous to know. And this is the work of an organization calling itself a church, once again.
2: It's repeated how homophobic, Scientology is, that's kind of known now, that's that's sure. that's out there, but that includes what's called transphobia, mm-hmm. which is the same kind of anger and hatred and vitriolic feelings about people who refuse to live the sex they were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. And so not only are they homophobic, they're transphobic. Sure. And, and that's something to know. Um, I was thinking about coming on the show and I was thinking, you know, like, what do we have in common? What, what, what do the three of us have in common? We know how not to live our lives. Hmm. We know that being mean... Lying, scrambling around, and like sacrificing friends, family.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's not worth it. And so we learn how to live better lives. We, we've got a standard now that yeah. most people don't have. We've, we've been at the bottom of the barrel. And we said no to that.
0: Right.
2: We've been terrible people. And we finally said no to that. And thank goodness we did. We've changed. And speaking with ex Scientologists, pretty much one for one that I've met, have given up being mean to each other.
0: Yes, we've given, we've had to let go uh, of the business of hate. Yeah. And judgment and bigotry. And we, we've, you know, yes, you're right. I mean, and, and, and it's not just Scientology. It's holding on to these ideologies that destroy yourself, your heart, your relationships with your sons and your daughters, your mothers and your fathers. And it's it's not worth it. It's not worth it to hold on to these beliefs that really add nothing to the world in a positive manner you're right we do have that in common but I think most people are good Kate I do believe that there has been an education there's been um an awakening in in a lot of areas um and, and I think people are changing for the better um I have to believe that we have to have faith
2: On another level of what we've learned as ex-Scientologists. Coming into Scientology, all I wanted was the answer to the world's problems. Right. That's it? (laughs) And on the front door of the mission in Denver was a poster it said, abandon your tedious search. The answers have been found. Right. And the thing about Scientology is they have all the answers. They
0: claim, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they do. And if you no, stay in that that's boat. That's what they're selling. Well, that's what if, they're selling. It's one thing s- if
0: it if it's faith, Kate, but it's not faith. It costs a lot of money. It costs your time. It costs your family. It, it costs your, 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 your sanity. I, there's a lot at stake here that, that with Scientology uh in comparison to having a real religion in your life a faith that doesn't demand that you give up your whole life, your life savings, your kids, your mothers your fathers they they don't have an you know, most real churches don't have an organ- a part of the organization that goes out to purposely destroy your life <laughs> so big difference yeah, yeah,
2: and when you're in that bubble. You believe you've got access to all the answers. Totally. You believe that. Yes. I I know what to do because all I have to do is what all right. Getting out of Scientology. I've had to give up on this idea of kowtowing to authority. Sure. And look at our look at our country, the United States of America these days. There are people who follow the authoritarian president we've got to this with the Hi. same. What's the word? Further. Thank yeah. you that we followed L. Ron Hubbard, and it's because they need answers. They need to be told no, no, no. I know what's right. Just follow me, and. You're good. And I know some ex-Scientologists who are very into Trump. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course they are. Mm -hmm. Because they haven't gotten themselves away from that need to find answers. I have and a bunch of other ex-Scientologists that I do know have. And it's a Mm -hmm. scary place going, well. I don't have answers, and I don't right. know anybody who does. And right, I'm just right, going right. to stumble along and try not to be mean to people, and I'll get through life, you know? Yeah, um, yes. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing I learned from Scientology. Learned to be free of the need for answers. Right. And learned to just not be mean to people. Beautiful.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Me, I love too. that. My, Me too. I love that. Me All my love to you, Kate you yes. you are you're a remarkable example of what a really good person can be
2: thank you and here here's another thing i learned the truth of the statement it takes one to know one okay you wouldn't see that in me. You wouldn't say that of me if you didn't have that in your heart yourself. That's the way it works. You wouldn't recognize it. It's so it's it's good to see you both. It, it, it's and you. really good to see you both. you, you, you both too. such good people doing such good work.
0: Bless and hearts. to you. And to you, thank Pete, you so honestly. Much. Thank mm. you for all that you do. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for listening, you guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye.